Welcome, welcome back to the Casual Film Critic. Um, and today, the first rule of Casual Film Critic is don't tell anyone about Casual Film Critic. And the second rule is that today we watch Fight Club. Uh, Dylan and Matthew here with me. I'm Peyton. What's going on, guys? Hello, hello. What's up, man? All right. How's everyone feeling uh, fresh off the movie? I'm feeling good. This is round two for me, and it was a good round two. It knocked me out. Good fucking movie. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen it. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, I'm still processing it. It's a it's a good story. I could tell that. Um, watching a second time, how you gain a lot more out of the movie, um, especially some of the cuts, especially early on in the film. Um, can we talk about I where you... I actually just picked up on something, sorry. What's up? <laughs> no. I was going to ask, can we talk about where your guys' minds were blown? So this is a good segue. Alright, so my mind was blown. Is uh, We're going to give spoilers out. It should be if you haven't watched the movie, don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, my mind was blown when he was trying to figure out like where he was. And as soon as he was like, you were just here like 15 minutes ago. I was like, okay. or what was it? How many days ago? Like five or whatever days yeah. ago? And um, I was like, oh shit. And I started picking up on everything. And just now I remembered. Like, my mind was blown at that point because I was like, oh shit, same dude, whole fucking movie. Then, I just picked up on all the flashing pictures I saw at the very beginning. Yeah, that's um, that's what that I'm talking, like, fucking insane. thinking back now to the early, like, cuts in the movie. You, like, you realize um, a lot of that is probably just him in his own head still. Yeah, it's mm. insane. Um, for me, I think I finally clicked with the movie. Um, when she comes back to the compound, um, or maybe maybe a little bit after that, when he goes back to the compound and it's like empty, nobody's there. Mm-hmm. He like all those people weren't there. Um, everyone everyone still looks at him as the leader mm-hmm. when they are there, um, and he wasn't like he was never involved in any of the planning of Project Mayhem. He was never um, commanding those guys to do anything. But everyone, even when he was saying like uh don't do this whatever whatever it was always yes sir or like the first rule is don't ask questions uh they treated him as authority although he had nothing to do with him he was outside of that in his own respect yeah you couldn't like trust the movie dude that's what i thought was really cool you couldn't trust like what was real and what wasn't real yeah um i, I definitely could see that um i feel like if it got less reliable as it went on early on it seems reliable Mm -hmm. um and anytime it's only um trying to think of the main character's name jack Uh, jack every time it's specifically jack um the story seems reliable um but um other than that okay what (laughs) what's his name his name's not jack his name's never said in the entire thing that's part of it no okay Gotcha. Jack comes from the um, books in the compound that he found. Is like, I am Jack's dying colon or whatever, because mm-hmm. he started reading those. But we never oh, learn really? his actual name. You never find out the main character's name. I am Jack's he, dying colon. He's oh, always like even when he introduces himself in all of the support groups, he always chooses a different name. And then um, Marla only calls him Tyler. You never actually learn his name. Yeah, I, every I, time that comes up in the movie, it's always it's a different name. Cut, he gets cut off before he says his name. Okay, 
So no, is no, he, he Tyler or he, is he nobody? He kept saying um, Tyler's the blanks. Um, yeah, that's from the books that he was yeah, reading. Oh my gotcha, gosh, gotcha. you just blew my mind okay. again. So um, we never actually learned his identity. Okay, I got gotcha. you. That was Cassidy. Yeah, now's a good time to introduce <laughs> two friends of the show. Uh, we got Cassidy and Faye in here with us today. Uh, they're just kind of sitting in. They may throw in uh, their two cents every once in a while. Cassidy's a big fan of this movie. Um, she's definitely providing us with a little bit of knowledge right now. Faye is processing in the corner. Yeah, first time watcher. First time watcher, yeah. Um, I think this is one we probably should have taken a little bit of time to think about, but um, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's, it's a, a lot, lot to digest, um, and it's definitely directed well. That way, you you keep it keeps your interest peaked at all times. You never know what's the next turn especially in the latter half of the movie where it becomes so unreliable and you're starting to figure out uh, this character doesn't actually exist. You're trying to figure out uh, the personality disorder that seems to be going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like something that's really cool too is like it's super self-reflexive. Like You have those flashes at the beginning and then you have like him talking about Tyler splicing movies and then at the end you get like a splice in the movie. So the movie is like kind of like this living, breathing thing that knows about itself. It does. It did seem uh, there was another scene that seemed like that. That um, it it was not necessarily breaking the fourth wall, but it comes close to it. Uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what happened because it caught me off guard because um, of a conversation we had previously where um, films like this you never break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. It came like it felt like it came close. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Okay. Is the, the scene. scene you're talking about the one where he's talking directly to the camera and it has um, Tyler doing things in the background? Because With I the clam chowder? A, a uh, I, yeah, I think that may be what no, I wouldn't think of. clam chowder. But um, when like, he's showing... like When he's, he's describing the, the different jobs that Tyler yeah. has. And yeah, he's the, facing the camera and talking. Yeah. Well, that was early on. Uh, but yeah. there was also something similar later where it was like... Just kind of makes you feel like uh, he's aware of everything. You guys can ever eat clam chowder the same? <laughs> Absolutely. I love clam chowder. Wow. Big chowder guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chowders. What are you guys taking away from the movie? Um, especially, Matthew, I'd like to hear from you more uh, since it's the second time you've seen it. Uh, just what you got out of it the second time since the first time um, the big reveal of the movie is that obviously um, Tyler was a persona he created himself uh, but the second time what are you gaining out of this um, I don't know I didn't really gain a whole lot to be honest because you, like when you know that it's him you kind of pick up on the movie and really for me I just kind of sat back and enjoyed it like it was more of like a spectacle and kind of the fun was watching like your guys minds being blown like, that was more entertaining to me than, okay. like, what was going on in the movie. Um, but it didn't diminish the movie whatsoever. Like, the movie is still um, this really thrilling thing to watch because you kind of see all the pieces come together. For me, which I don't know what time this is for me watching it, maybe, like, five or six, but you can start focusing on different characters throughout the whole movie and follow their plot. And so, like, this time I was watching Marla a lot, and she seems like a bitch the first time you watch it, because she's just crazy and, like, mean the whole time, but you really feel for her, 
as you like watch her from the beginning to the end like it was like she's like in love with this guy who's crazy she yeah, being she oh go ahead when like i was watching it i was confused about what the point of her character was but then when you look back like a lot of stuff she does it helps you like when you look back realize that he was just one person yeah it's um she's definitely a, a very dynamic character in the sense that you don't like her at first um yeah. and then she keeps the story grounded uh once you kind of start to pick things up uh she seems like the last bit of sanity when in the beginning she seemed like she was yeah barely hanging on, barely hanging on. yeah yeah um i think that's a a good choice um just to kind of have her play that foil to the character who seemed put together and then you kind of realize like the roles were reversed the entire time that's another good like callback to the whole twists like once you figure out what like is actually going on i kept going back and looking at their interactions like between the two of them like or i guess three of them technically not technically yeah and he said like they're never in the same room tyler and uh mr no name yeah no no um, no tyler and marlon marlon yeah. oh marla yeah, they're never in the same room, he says. Um, he said it was, like, his divorced parents. Yeah. So, like, him, like, coming up with a real-life example, like, didn't make me think that it was fake. Or, like, not re- mm-hmm. really what was happening. And then, like, when she went into the kitchen and, like, was... She grabbed him. I'll say that. She groped <laughs> him. It was like, okay, this is weird. But then, like, looking back, it's like, oh, shit, she thought it was the same person. She was trying to make a connection. Mm-hmm. You think that she's the crazy one going from person to person, but, like, she thought it was the same guy. She had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was the same guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess thinking back now, I was trying to think of a scene where uh, the two are in the same room um, because it doesn't exist. Because um, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking once it first, once you see, like, the scenes of, him by himself like with the beer like handing it to mm-hmm. him and like all those scenes he's fighting himself it um, made me like I was trying to think of a scene that would spoil that for some reason like I just wanted to spoil that um, but yeah they never were in the same room um, he was down the stairs mm-hmm. oh and he was like mm-hmm. talking that was the to closest no they came yeah. yeah that was that was the coolest scene to me because it's like he's in the basement and it's kind of like he's like whispering to him up in the basement, don't like say my name or whatever. And um, oh shit, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like in my mind, it's a little bit symbolic. Like he's in the basement of his mind, like whispering, you know, don't talk about me. And I don't know. It was like really yeah. insane. It just yeah. got like such an insane feel from it. There's just so many small details, like you said, Cassidy. That like now, like sitting here, like i'm able to like almost like digesting food like i'm digesting the movie like more and more as like the longer we sit here and i keep thinking about all these small details back like towards the beginning and it's like holy fucking shit <laughs> like not this isn't near the beginning it's like maybe three quarters three fifths of the way through where he goes into the office with his boss mm-hmm. and he beats the shit out of himself and then it's like you go back to the end where he's beating the shit out of himself and it's like oh mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on here yeah and Another part that I picked up on, like, just now as well, was when um, the boss brought the paper with all the rules on it, mm-hmm. and he said, like, I felt, like, Tyler's words coming straight out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember something where he said, I think he said something along the lines of, like, whatever Tyler said I was saying, yeah. or something like that. 
Yeah, I just remembered that while you were talking. Yeah, these small details, like, they keep yeah. coming back, and it's, like, one after the other. Mm-hmm. There's so many to pick up on. I mm-hmm. could watch it probably yeah. three more times and pick up on new details every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you guys ever join a fight club? Absolutely. Project Mayhem, let's Absolutely go. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> blow up some apartment buildings. I kind of understand, like, the. I understand the premise of the whole fight club but um it's like that could never happen like as as nice as it would be that like there could be a space um there could be a space (laughs) the whole time i just thought like cult mentality yeah i think yeah which is on cult mentality how many fight clubs do you think sprung up after this movie tons there Uh, had to be i I think it would be something similar to like if us three tried to start like it's just like teenagers trying to recreate what they see in the media i Um, doubt any of them are really that successful i think (laughs) dylan let's go uh no um i think um it just kind of is like it may be stemmed from um like the commune culture of like there were groups of people what's his name dylan you would you would know his name better than me we've talked about this guy before um a real person yeah Manson. Charles Manson. Yeah. Charles I, Manson. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought of in my head with, like, um, yeah. that whole thing. And I think there's a space for that in society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another in discussion. Prison, that's a pretty good space. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, no, I think it's just about community um, and people finding their community. Mm-hmm. It happened to be through violence, uh, yeah. but it was, like, an escape that people need. Yeah. I thought, like, it was really interesting towards the end when – uh, Bob dies, and he's like, "No, this was a guy." You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. breaking, he was breaking the rules, and they thought he was like building another rule, and they were really just like a bunch of followers, like listening Jeez. to his words, like. Um, and so yeah, I think you're totally right in that because they they all just wanted like something to follow, you know? They didn't really like. What's the right word? They were all kind of just like rats in this whole little rat race, you know. Before they were rats in the rat race, and they traded now, that. They traded that space for a space where um, they, don't they don't have to be anything. But they are. But then they become. They were all just following Tyler. Like none of them had original thoughts of their own. Like yeah, they they, they, they all were... essentially just became different kind of rats. Mm. I agree with that. I agree with you on that one. I want to hear Peyton's thought though. What's your um. I think the the important thing to distinguish about um, the community they built was that there was no pressure to be anything but um, a gear. Wherein the society where they were before, it was like, you need to achieve this in order to further yourself, to be happy, all these things, um, where they gave that up to just be somebody who digs in the garden or something very simple just um i think that's an important thing to distinguish Mm -hmm. um in the difference i agree i agree i think in the society before i think they were they had that pressure to be like individualistic and like kind of like a their own person and it leaded into being like single serving people and in this they felt like they were a part of like that machine and they didn't have to worry about being um an individual yeah and um 
what is it? Uh, the system should serve the people. The people shouldn't serve the system. Mm-hmm. Um, they were creating the system that would serve them. Um, but in turn, they had to serve it, mm-hmm. which is like, it's, there's a lot of irony in that. Um, well, it's kind of logical, I feel like. Like, if you, if you, if the system helps you, like, you have to you assert have the to, system. Yeah, you have to assert the system. That's true. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, you didn't have anything to say? Okay. Um, so, like, to me, like, Tyler's system, the ideals are not something I would favor, but the structure of it is kind of something that I would. Similar to the military. Like, yeah. You just join to join to have something to do, and you don't have to think about what you're doing, but you just have something to do. Like, it's very brainwashy. Like, that, I think that's what they're training in, is, like, having to make decisions to just have a purpose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can see that. Like, that's how I yeah. see mm-hmm. it. Like, it's, yeah, that's fair. It's very, like, military-esque. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely was militant. Heads and then they don't have to think about anything else. Yeah. yeah, he referenced them as his army, like, several times. He was like, do you guys hear Tyler's building an army in Miami? He says, looks like we're building a whole army here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and also, like, joining something that's bigger than themselves that they think is making a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting, though, because they're all, like, happy in that system. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they all don't really, yeah, I, they don't care. They don't have to worry. Do you not feel like you could fit into a system like that? I don't know if I could or not. Um, I think think that I could. (laughs) I think I could, but I think it kind of goes back to the whole single-serving individualistic thing. Like, I don't know if I could live with like someone telling me what to do all the time and not being allowed to have my own kind of thoughts. Yeah, but. To a point, do you have that now? Okay. No, 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 no. That's like a a legitimate question. You totally do. Um, I feel like I have original thoughts. I'm not saying you don't have original thoughts. Um, we, uh, to an extent, our thoughts are somewhat original, but like, they're original but inspired on what we've been like taught, Mm having been raised. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing is technically like fully original. It's all inspired. Everything is inspired. Are you like saying? like we're in like the system of like education and we're doing these steps because we think other people we because like we think other people no other people think we should is that yeah, what you're saying because we've been we're, taught to. we're products yeah. of our system yeah. yeah um i mean yeah we are but i still think we have the ability to do our own thing still dang okay we're philosophizing right now yeah i'm just playing the counter to the yeah. to the room because um I feel like y'all all feel a certain way about this. Yeah. So we're at this point of like free will. <laughs> like that's what we've been talking about for a little bit. Like, you know, does, do any of the people in Tyler's organization like have free will essentially? Or are they, are they just like following something to follow it? No, they have free will. They wanted to serve that. Um, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to um, feel, they felt empty mm-hmm. in the outside society they feel completed um serving this system i disagree you don't <laughs> i think they gave I'll up think. their free will like to i think it was too much to handle and mm-hmm. that's why they're in this like society where they don't have to make decisions so, like they don't want free will anymore okay 
Yeah, if that's I could what see the that. problem of mm. the other world was, is that like that's too much to handle every day. So they gave up their free will to be in this other society, like where they don't have to make decisions anymore. I'll add to that. If if they still had their free will, do you not think that they would have like once they realized that what they were doing was just blatantly like they're doing like horrible things? Do you not think they would have left? I think they, I think like, they would have. If they had free will and free choice, do you think they would have left? I think That's they would have. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. What you just asked is something that I was thinking of. Is if you asked them at the beginning of when they wanted to join Tyler's thing, would you be okay destroying buildings and killing people? Would they say yes? No, they wouldn't say yes um, initially. Um, it's mm-hmm. just removing yourself from the structure that you like. I think making themselves such outsiders eventually like it's i'm not saying it's a healthy thing but they started to see the system for being truly evil um Mm -hmm. and then from there they were able to rationalize everything they did especially through this strong charismatic leader that tyler was Mm -hmm. so they were able to rationalize things because tyler presented it in a way that was rational um, he was able to ease them into believing that's like rational and that's the purpose that they need to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, so then do they have free will if Tyler's really like easing them into everything? I don't think he eased them into anything. What yeah, do you mean? she's right. He's shock culture. You think them standing on the... I know, yeah, but that's that's, that's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying, is Tyler is the one behind it all making decisions for everybody. Yeah, I just so don't do think it have... was an ease into yeah, it. It was, like, a yeah. very shocking, like... Change. Okay, I would agree with that, yeah. But he's the one behind everything. He's not... They're not making any decisions for themselves. I mean, other than the decision to join to his... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, other than yeah. the decision to join okay. his group. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair to say. Alright, on a lighter note, has anybody in this room been in a fight? Like an actual fight ever? Yeah, I was in one. Never been in uh, like a physical fight like that. I have not Ladies. been in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> does it count if it's with my sister? I think that if does. That, I think those counts, are the worst fights. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright, let's say physical altercation with a stranger. Oh no! Mm, yeah. Speaking of the stranger so. thing, that was a mm. cool part of the movie where they had to, like their assignment uh, mm-hmm. was like go start a fight with a stranger and let mm-hmm. them win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think yeah, it was funny that like, you could see the I think it was the priest or whatever, and he like was in the Fight Club after that. Oh, I, I recognized him, that. but I didn't know yeah, where from. He, like, cool he, kept, he came back after he, the fight was started. Oh my god, with him. that's another right. thing. If you I look did not back, notice that. After every scene where it just shows him and Tyler together, and like someone walking past them, the next scene at the fight club would be them fighting or somebody fighting that person. Yeah. Like when the guy bumped into him on the bus, mm-hmm. the guy with the long hair, he was like getting the shit beat out of him in the next scene. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that's cool. That's cool. Oh, I guess that is true. He bumped into... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I remember watching that scene, and I was like, oh, he just bumped into him. Like, I wonder if he's going to fight him. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So, I knew that, like, they didn't want to fight people outside of, like, the fight club until, like, you know, he was like, go fight strangers on the fucking street. But, like, 
Every time someone, like, pushed him, I thought he was just going to, like, lose his mind and go ballistic well, on someone. Well, that's why he well, he was saying that people were, like, breaking the rule of Fight Club by talking about it, but he was just the one bringing in mm-hmm. the new members. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Faye's mind is being blown by the end. I have a question for you, Matthew. I don't know if anybody else has seen Memento. I think Cassidy has. Have you seen it, Peyton? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... A lot of time in movies, actually, first, before I get into this, you I feel left say, out of this one. This goes back to the theme we were talking about last week. I forgot to mention this earlier, but of how most movies try to get that relatable aspect of people trying to fit into something. Mm-hmm. But this one takes it to like a super extreme. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's cool how every movie we've seen has had like had this yeah going on. It's cool to draw to that. Okay, yeah. So with Memento. I think a lot of movies look like to try to get that shocking twist, like M. Night Shyamalan does it every fucking movie he has, mm-hmm. and I think it's really hard to get like a good twist. I totally agree. And I think this was on the same level as like Memento, like in my opinion. I think Memento had one of the coolest like twists out of any movie I've ever seen, and after seeing this, I was like, wow, that's like some next level shit. Mm-hmm. I think what it might be is the movie is hiding it from itself. Mm. same thing with memento the main character doesn't know at all yeah um and so like we connect with the the characters so well and a lot of movies aim at doing that and so when the characters don't know something about themselves and they find it out it's like cataclysmic me oh wow no i know (laughs) it's a lot more shock value than if it was just something random that came in. Another movie that I can draw comparisons to, like uh, Donnie Darko. Have you guys seen Donnie Darko? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the first scene where he shows... Remember, in the first scene, Donnie Darko, the... I don't know if you guys want to watch it or not, but the house, like there's like the airplane part. Mm-hmm. His uh, apartment got blown out the side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when like they kind of have that realization, like, yeah, it's okay. Something cool with like those kind of movies is the internal struggle they have is represented through external things. Mm-hmm. Where the scene before he meets Tyler, he daydreams about the plane getting exploded and the plane like ripping apart, and it's like his mind is being blown. And then Tyler pops up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then in the one with uh, Donnie Darko, when Tyler was there before the plane. When? In the blips in the office in like the first couple minutes. Yeah, it's in the office. Yeah. They're talking like, about like the little flashes on yeah, the screen? Yeah, that's time. Okay. Oh, but, like okay. we didn't like pick up on that. We didn't, like, yeah. but for him he mm-hmm. was Yeah, there. that's true. But like with Donnie Darko, like he had had those dreams before, but like they weren't like, at first it was kind of like, okay, this is a weird dream with this weird giant rabbit. Mm-hmm. And then after like, the you guys... I was gonna say, what movie are we from? Talking from about? the outside, like, this sounds movie sounds so weird. It, it is strange. It is very strange. Very good. I would suggest it ten out of ten. But after like the airplane part crashes through his uh, wall, his dreams start getting more and more vivid. Because like yeah. immediately after that is when he um like that whole bubble appeared in the dream, and he like reaches hand out to touch it, which is when I think it became real for him. And similarly with this movie. After his apartment blew up, he called him. That's when it became real for him. Like yeah. That other version of himself. Yeah. Um, so tying it back into Fight Club, 
the insomnia, do you think that's the cause of all of the movie? Like, all his, um... Okay. I have a take on that. Yeah. So, I don't think he ever, like... I think it was multiple, like, per- obviously multiple personality disorders to an extreme. But the reason, like, at first I was like, okay, maybe this is being caused by insomnia. Like, once we first figure out what's going on with him. But then my uh, mind shifted to he's making phone calls at 2 and 3 a.m. I think that when he's awake, um, he is Jack, I guess. Or, like, Quote who is known as Jack. Yeah, yeah. And then when he's, like, at night when he should be asleep, when he thinks he's asleep, is when he becomes, like, that Tyler character. Yeah, definitely. Because there's one part in it where they're talking about how crazy Tyler is, and they're like, this guy was born in an insane asylum, and he gets one hour of sleep each night. I think that second part is definitely true, because when he is, he thinks he's asleep, he's Tyler. Mm-hmm. And he gets that one hour of sleep, maybe, between shifting between the two personalities. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what starts it, though. I think, I think his society starts it. Just, like, his non-ability to fit into the society creates, like, this thing that breeds the insomnia, that breeds um, just all those, like, disorders. I disagree with that a little bit. I don't think that is that he doesn't fit in. I think it's that he fits in too well. Because he does his mundane job every day, hates his job, mm-hmm. and then he tries to find these other things to, like, get him out of that. Yeah, but there's some, like, hole that isn't filled. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and in psychology, we're talking about this a little bit. I'm pretty sure it's called tulpas, but it's like an adult version of imaginary friends. And basically, it's exactly what this movie is, where like you make this person who's like similar to you and like parallel version of you, but better in like ways that you want to improve. And so I think like because he was bored with his job and his life and whatever, he made this other like individual or whatever and then it went out of control and then evolved into this whole entire thing so jumping off of that do you think that's abnormal to have that like almost like a whole separate person in your head who is like a you but like the you that you want to be does that make sense abnormal it's not like it's not like maladaptive but i don't think everybody does it you know what i mean really I I I think it's normal to want to be a better person, but I think it's maybe a more abnormal to like have a like a something you're visioning. And obviously, like his became maladaptive because started killing people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the past two episodes, we have clearly uh, explained to you guys that we are all probably psychopaths, me, Peyton, and Matthew. So. uh... I don't think so. Yeah, I was about to say like I think everybody's a little bit crazy in their own way. Yeah. You know. Like everyone, I think crazy is really just well, a misunderstanding. There's between no definition people. of normal. Exactly, exactly. So, Hi, I don't know. Yeah, it just depends on your own definition of it. I think I think everybody has this like goal that they strive towards, and however that like manifests, like if it's a role model, that's kind of like the same thing in my yeah, mind. It's like a yeah, tulpa. Yeah. Okay. Um, LeBron James is my tulpa. Okay. Um, so the dream that he has, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of this film. Which which dream? When when he's like having sex with yeah um, the yeah. way that gets shot mm-hmm. and it's obviously um, like CGI like nineties. Uh, this was like a late nineties movie, 
correct me if I'm wrong. I think yeah. maybe 2000s, early 2000s. 2000s. Just like um, that CGI, but it feels so distorted, um, and the camera kind of spins. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still don't know what to make of that. It almost looked if you if you slow it down, I feel like it would look very like like crazy person. You know, it look it would look like something in the mind of someone who's crazy. It it felt about, like, outside of the entire movie. Like mm-hmm. it that felt like that existed outside of this movie. Oh, that's cool because I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm, are you talking about the scene like where all the motion was blurred of the two of them? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. So at first I was like, I thought it was actually happening because like they didn't explain it explicitly as a dream at first. I thought, and because she had just taken like all those Xanax and I thought that was her head like showing it. But I thought it was from her point of view yeah. as well. Really? And I thought she yeah. was like experiencing that like all that blur and slowness because of her overdosing. But looking at it like at this perspective, you guys are kind of fucking with my head again. <laughs> I I think that was like our own personal glimpse into, like, Tyler's mind. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what I thought, too, because, like, he's sleeping, which is what you were talking about earlier, is, like, whenever the main character is sleeping is when Tyler is active, so he really was active with Marla, and maybe it was Blair because Marla was, like, about to die, but I don't think it was a dream. You don't think it was a dream? No, I think it was Tyler was actually with Marla. It, wow, that's another Tyler. good take. The coloring and like yeah. all of that. I think that might be because she was on like so much Xanax like that. Yeah, that said, would make sense. But yeah, if it's from her perspective, that makes more sense. But it was actually happening with Tyler in my... Yeah, I think so too. That's how I took it um, this time around. I don't, I don't remember the first time, but this time like that definitely felt like a real thing that happened. Yeah. And not, you know, something. Mm-hmm. So when she took all those pills... I thought this was a really kind of cool and like interesting scene because she goes, I took every pill in the, or that was left in the bottle, but there was still the pill sitting next to the empty pill bottle, which is when she says it's a cry for help, I was like, it kind of like, it draws like a little, obviously like taking one less Xanax isn't going to make you like proportionately less likely to die, but I think that that was kind of like showing that she like really cared about him. Yeah, do you, okay, so this is kind of a tangent, but do you think they were each other's therapy uh, at the beginning? Maybe. No. Nah, actually, no. I'm gonna go no? no? Why do you say no? Yeah, that's what it, she yeah. definitely played, like... I think that, yeah, she was a big, like, piece in kind of, like, driving him to that point. Yeah. I feel like. Like, driving him to the point where he was two split people. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was thinking from the perspective where when he was in those focus groups, his life was kind of perfect in his mind, mm-hmm. which you can't really sustain. <laughs> and so her entering the scene created a problem for him um, that he made himself. Like, she wasn't a problem. Her being in those focus groups was as much as a problem as him being in those focus groups. Yeah, yeah there wasn't any conflict between him and Tyler until she started coming to the house. Yeah. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah, they, so she actually... Did, like, I mean, they did beat each other up, but they still liked each they, other. Yeah, it was yeah. like... Uh, he was smoking in the tub, and he was just sitting... Like, they were just yeah. sitting in the bathroom talking, like, while he's... Yeah, they were definitely just, like, uh, best bros. Oh, wow. And then she started... <laughs> best buddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, Another thought. Um, I think that, like, the whole delve into chaos of, like, the main character, like, of him actual his actual self... 
Um, he left the phone off the hook, which allowed Tyler to enter mm-hmm. into his normal life. Mm-hmm. Do you think he did that on purpose? Knowing, I don't, like, subconsciously that Tyler was going to come pick up the phone? No, I don't. No? That's Because I think he actually thought, he, well, obviously, actually thought it was two separate people. Mm-hmm. And I think that him leaving it off was kind of a doorway into his life, like his, as who he is, as Jack, quote-unquote, was a doorway for um, Tyler to enter. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything started going to shit. Mm-hmm. So what was he doing when he left the phone off the hook? Was he just like... He just he, so he left the phone on the hook and then he just kind of left and then Tyler came in. Mm-hmm. So was he just leaving and then letting her talk on the phone? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. He's gonna let her talk herself till she like got tired of talking. Oh, so she got calm. And he didn't want to listen to her. Yeah. He said she could drone on for hours, so he didn't want to talk to her. Oh, anymore, okay. So he left it. Guys, um, I think oh, something important to make note of here is uh, the first thing she says when Tyler shows up at her door is, "You got here fast." Yeah. As in. We were just on the phone. Um, as in, as soon as he walks away, he's actually going to her house. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, I don't think it was um, any sort of he's inviting this second um, person into his life. I think it was the decision he made right then once he put the phone up like that mm. was, I'm going. But it wasn't him that showed up. It was Tyler. Exactly. So it wasn't, I'm going, he like might have, like as main character guy, was like, I don't want to deal with this, but Tyler Durden, who was a better version of himself, would deal with that, so mm-hmm. he went there to deal with that. It's almost like he left the phone as Jack, walked around in a circle, and came back as Tyler. Like, hit like this middle point and became a different person, and then mm-hmm. came back and talked to her. I, I'm thinking, back to what you said, where he left, and Tyler picked up the phone. He never said anything. So I think Tyler picking up the phone was really more of like a metaphorical thing where Tyler's taking over this situation now. Like he never picks up the phone a second time. He's on the way to go pick her up. You know right, what I mean? And so, character guy? Yes. But well, he's in he's in Tyler mode now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tyler picking up the phone was really him. It just saying, visualizes that mentality exactly. switch in him. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's God, that, there's so many cool scenes like that yeah once you see like how they interact with each other um yeah you can definitely take that in a lot of different ways does anyone have any other scenes they'd like to distinguish uh, apart from the movie it was fucking awesome <laughs> yeah awesome. Just... i was just kind of shocked at how easily he could beat himself up <laughs> yeah that like, is i don't true. think i could I don't know. That just like surprised me that he could like use so much violence against himself so easily. Like when he punched himself in the um, in his boss's office, like it threw himself into the air and onto the table, and mm-hmm. I was just like, "That's crazy." Yeah. And when like at the end, when it when um, he like tried to dismantle the bomb, and then he was like fighting Tyler, like the video footage, like yeah. I don't know, it didn't look real to me, and I was like, yeah. "Is it That's scary. is yeah?" I was like. That doesn't look yeah. real. It was, was definitely two idea. great performances. Yeah. Um, yeah. They both, um, like Brad Pitt, especially, like, I don't know. There's something about uh, the way he played that character that was very believable. Um, yeah. <laughs> his his laugh, cool. dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, yeah. 
Yeah, when he was getting beat up and laughing, that mm-hmm. was... Okay, so at first, like you said, it was kind of terrifying, but at first I was like, alright, this dude's a fucking badass. Like, he's laughing this, like, fear and, like, mm-hmm. violence in the face, and then, like, later you're like, oh, fuck it. Shit. What is wrong with this dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I felt that the whole time. <laughs> awesome. That. We also kind of talk- touched on this earlier about, like, if you think after this movie came out, if there was, like, more fight clubs around. Other than, like, actual formations of fight clubs, do you think this movie played a role in, like, just the way, like, people were living their lives at all? Like, I know for, like, people, I think my brother is one person who introduced me to this movie, like, I think he really bases his life a lot on He takes it to heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, like, do you think that a lot of people have changed the way they live life off of this movie? Or at least think about life? Yeah, apparently? absolutely. I think a lot of what he's saying, um, he says it in, like, a radical way, but it's kind of, um, universal. Yeah, it is very soothing, but it's, it's universal to, like, some religion. Um, like, the part where he makes people wait outside, like, that's an actual thing that they do in Buddhism, um, where, like, to get a teacher, you have to, like, pretty much give up your identity, give up your sense of self, Mm -hmm. um, and say that I will give anything to be taught. Um, and a lot of what he says of like letting go of fear, um, is something like that transcends the movie. Um, so I think in that way, there are a lot of people who are like, have changed their ways of thinking because of this movie. I agree with that. I think it's kind of like a vehicle a little bit like, um, I don't know, just a lot of things are, it's a vehicle onto other ways of thinking. Okay, so you think it was something that um, was kind of just like people were restless about the way they felt um, and then seeing this movie having a character who is played so charismatic, so like authoritative just kind of gives them that voice? Yeah, I think um, a lot of characters in movies are like very potent. It's very potent ground to um, give people a sense of like courage in like saying um if people do kind of have like questions where they can see these questions and there's like some character built up in this movie um where that actually plays out well for them um i think this movie can kind of play that role in like affirming people but i think it also plays a role in causing people to question very well because um he had that cookie cutter life you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Um, where he's like looking through the Ikea catalog and anyone who's like looked through an Ikea catalog is like, (laughs) oh shit, that's me. Like I've done that, you know? And they immediately start to question like, um, the whole, the whole purpose of the Ikea thing was I'm going to uniquely express myself through this stuff. When if there are so many people that are doing that, is it really unique unique anymore? And so it calls people or it causes people to question like, Am I unique? Am, or am I just another cookie cutter person? Do you think that's um, the makers of the film? Do you think that's what they were trying to point more out? Is like, am I unique, or were they trying to do like a different message with the film? I have no you idea. Don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was a totally <laughs> radical so, film. Yeah. I have no idea where they're going. If I could, if I could guess, I would say yeah. They they want people to really like question. Um, because that's why this movie has such a lasting impact on people, I think, is because it leads them to question the answers that they have. Like, when you feel firm in your grounding, 
um, someone causing you to question something really shakes that ground and moves you into like a different train of thought. Okay. Um, I would say that it's definitely aged well, even though like it really hasn't had too much time to, to withstand. Um, but one thing that, uh, that I don't think was like, I don't know. He says like something along the lines of this is a terrorist group. Um, the whole time it feels very much like that. Like it's something that, I don't know, maybe, um, it's just something that I picked up on. Uh, but it just feels like the whole time, like you believe that this could be happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was something that people were afraid of when the film was made. Um, or if it's something that now we're afraid of and it keeps the movie still relevant to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think that uh, that the whole aspect of there could be people unifying in this same way of wanting to rebel against society. Yeah. Um, like you, you do see it. Uh, you don't see it as violently or, and as openly mm-hmm. as, um, as in this movie. Yeah. But, um, it definitely makes it very believable. Yeah. I think... Um like the whole effect of like rebellious nature has kind of, I don't know if it's from this movie, but like the ideas um, generated after this movie kind of, and maybe from like that time period where you had like so much like cubicle type culture, if that makes sense where there's like workers in cubicles, that was like two thousands, you know? And Mm. 2010s, you get like this whole, um, like festival culture you get like people who are into like edm and like just very various no, i think weird... that's just you <laughs> standing desks okay yeah <laughs> well like tiktok and vine oh geez. like you have all these just people going in like don't get paid and started totally unique directions there's such a pressure to be unique now than there was in the 2000s and i think like that whole idea of like rebellion and like um not being the same, you know. Okay, so that's the the um the seeds of the early two thousands have finally kind of come to yeah. fruition, where like uh, we feel even more pressure now. Like they obviously felt pressure to leave their cubicles and like to express themselves in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I could see that. Um, that the movie has probably become so much more poignant because the culture kind of grew into that even more Mm -hmm. definitely i think it was a really good um like measure of culture for this movie was it was a good good temperature check yeah Yeah. or like a good encapsulation of like what this kind of time was like a little bit okay yeah i can see that and I really like where you were talking about, like, you start to worry about the whole rebellious, like, cell thing going that could be going on at any time. Um, and, like, I think the reason that kind of comes about is where um, Jack or whatever, the unnamed guy, mm-hmm. he becomes out of the loop of Tyler's plans. And so he we become just as confused and, like, worried as Concerned. he is. yeah. Okay. Anything else to say on Fight Club? It was good. It's simple as that. No. Yeah. yeah. Good. Nothing else from the room. Um, all right, I guys. I want to watch it again. 
so I can, oh. like, see everything. Just to back that up. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's on point. Yeah. Uh, so that's been the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, three guys breaking down this classic film. Um, and if you'd like to submit ideas for us for the next show, you can email us at casualfilmcritic at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at casualfilmcritic. And um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, uh, send us an email and we can try and figure something out for you.